At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then, book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to you want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Turn down, baby. That's it. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Hall. The hits principle is corny, old-fashioned, and all that. But you know what? These guys are buying in. And Dan Weeder. I get criticized all the time for being negative in my coverage of the Chicago Bears. And I tell people, again, it's my 10th season. I have covered one winning season and zero playoff victories. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome in to Take the North, the podcast episode seven. Thank you for joining us. There's a lot going on out at Hallis Hall, Dan Weeder, or David Hall. And you can join us on Twitter at Take the North Pod, at Dan Weeder, W I E D E R E R, at David Hall. Adam Stadzinski is our capable producer and resident Bears fan. And you know what, Dan? There is a ton going on, and it has been a busy week at Hallis Hall. Yeah, David, the calendar flipped to September, right? We have reached the NFL sweet spot. The regular season is about to begin. We covered our very last practice that is not attached to a week, right? Week one begins on Monday on Labor Day. The Bears are, are obviously still undergoing a lot of change with their roster and all the things that Ryan Poles and his staff are looking to do. But we are there. We are. It's like the, the horses promenading around the track before the Kentucky Derby starts. It's that excitement that builds. Well, this is a very special episode because as a member of the Bears beat, you have access to everybody every day you're out there. And I think that that allows you and as your 10th season on the beat, certain, you know, I, I, look, you get a uh, they respect the fact that you've been there a while. You get a one on one with the quarterback. That's great. So that interview with Justin Fields, we will have later because I think there's a lot to discuss. You have an interview with Luke Getze that is even as enlightening as the one with Justin Fields because I think that they're really connected. So it's great that we have them both in this episode. But let's start with the news of the week because I think that is what people want to know about what we think and what they think and they're talking about. Number one, and it's really there's, – there's two things going on. The first, the big news next Thursday night in Arlington Heights, the Bears have called a community meeting to unveil conceptual plans – for the multi-purpose complex that involve a football stadium and other stuff. The other yes. stuff is a lot more detailed <laughs> than we need to get into right now, but that's exciting because it's a step in that direction. I'm a little surprised, Dan, that it's going to be unveiled on the night opposite Bills and Rams. <laughs> the NFL season opens at the same time. They will be unveiling their plans. I don't know if that's accidental or by design. I would probably make an educated guess that it's accidental. I'm not certain that uh, that, that came into uh, the thought process for, for when and how they were going to do this. I will say that there is obviously a big picture grand vision for what this whole idea could 
and probably should be right. And I think as time has passed since what was it June uh, of 2021, when we first learned that this property was in the crosshairs of, of, of the bears and their ownership group, that we've become more and more used to the idea of the Chicago bears going over to Arlington Heights and playing in a megaplex, right. That has a, a beautiful stadium. That's going to cost several billion dollars. That has an entertainment district around it. That has a lot of different bells and whistles that need to be figured out on a giant piece of land that is really intriguing. And we'll see where they take this thing. Well, I think the other thing, you know, the reason I asked the question is because on one hand, it's as big of a development project as maybe in Illinois history. I think the press release indicated, or that's the way it was worded, but the bears may not want to make as big of a splash as they may want to share uh, and have divided attention because they might want to quietly move in this direction. That is the boldest one they've ever gone as a franchise because moving away from soldier field might be something they want to keep a little bit like under wraps, but you can't keep a lid on this story and it's a huge development and the next step. So that is, that's the other rebuilding project going on at Hallis Hall in 2022. As for the football team, the rebuilding project that is the Ryan Poles construction site that took on a different look this week with all of the roster cuts, getting down to 53, claiming six guys off waivers. And I think he met the media at Hallis Hall on Thursday. And Dan, I thought he was relaxed. I thought he was composed. I felt like he was he, he's getting more comfortable in that chair. Uh, to me, the headline was to, the biggest thing besides his love for Matt Eberflus, which I think is interesting. <laughs> yeah. But I think that he gave Tevin Jenkins a vote of confidence. People wondered if he would deliver. They wondered where the Bears stood with Tevin Jenkins as the right guard because of all of his past with injury and controversy and mystery. But I think Tevin, uh, Ryan Poles removed any doubts about the Bears' belief in Tevin Jenkins. It's a good point, David, and we'll have to kind of see how this thing all kind of evolves as the Bears try to piece together a line for week one and then figure out what it looks like beyond that. But Ryan Poles not only publicly delivered sort of his first endorsement of Tevin Jenkins and all that he's been through and where they see him playing on this offensive line, which is obviously inside at guard, but he said that he met with Tevin specifically to help put his mind at ease because Tevin on Monday, when we went back into the open locker room for the first time, uh, sort of expressed some uncertainty about his place in the organization's plans and, and, and certainly didn't come across as a guy who felt like his job security was stable, that his place in Chicago was sturdy. And so for the general manager to then subsequently meet with him, back that up with a, a public proclamation that he believes in where he has come from, where he's at and where he's headed. It's a, it's a significant development. And then, as you mentioned, obviously, uh, I, I think that the part of today's news conference where Ryan lit up the most was when he was asked about Matt Eberflus and, and, and quite simply four words. I love that dude. And he said, and he, and he said, he said it with, with a smile that was as wide as we've seen Ryan Paul smile. He kind of sat up in his chair and you could feel the sincerity of what he was expressing there. Now, listen, you've you've been around long enough to know that Ryan Pace felt great about John Fox and felt great about Matt Nagy and Phil Emery thought he had found the answer in, in, in Mark Tressman. And a lot of times I love that dude, as I wrote in my column, can turn into we had to go in another direction, right? Pretty quickly. There can be right. those hairpin U-turns within a matter of years. But for, for right now, certainly significant that the general manager feels like his first move as general manager might be his best move to, the, to date. Before we move on to the interview phase of the podcast, he wasn't smiling, Ryan Poles, <laughs> when you asked him about Roquan Smith and you followed up and you mentioned very specifically about the distasteful nature. I think that was the word that Roquan used about was. The, the tenor of the talks and negotiations. Ryan Poles didn't want to go there. So there were two parts to my question, David, which I thought were critical to ask, given that we hadn't sort of talked with Ryan at all since the day that Roquan released his statement through Ian Rappaport requesting a trade. A lot had developed and evolved and, and, and happened since then. And so the first part was we had obviously reached a point where, where everyone agrees that there was a canyon between the numbers that the Bears had in mind for what Roquan's worth and what Roquan had in mind for what he's worth. And so I asked Ryan directly, you know, why uh, were you not able to build a bridge? 
bridge toward a compromise. And he said, look, we're putting the, the football or the, the, the business part to the side right now. We're focusing purely on football. And he gave Roquan a, a strong endorsement of saying, credit him for being able to compartmentalize these two things and being able to push that aside so quickly and handle his business in a professional manner. That was notable to me that the general manager took note of the way Roquan has, has handled this. But then I said, listen, obviously, when, when your star linebacker tells you that you have been distasteful with your negotiating style, when he tells you that you haven't been negotiating in good faith, there's clearly a relationship piece to this that needs to be repaired. And Ryan, to his credit, acknowledged that, that there is going to be uh, some healing that needs to take place here. He said, look, it, these things take time. And whenever you have a disagreement with someone, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your workplace, no matter how contentious it is, it, it, it does take some time to, to kind of come back to center. He expressed confidence that ultimately they could get back to center. We'll see. We'll monitor it and we'll see if that affects how Roquan sees his future in this organization as much as it affects the organization's vision of what Roquan means. I loved it because it was the front row follow-up. It was like, okay, you're on the beat. Those guys get sort of the benefit of the doubt. They ask the questions because they've been there the longest. And you know what? You deserve the access because of that. And I think that when you see a, a general manager at the podium as infrequently as the Bears put him there, then you've got to be there to ask the first question, but be there for the front row follow-up. And you were there for the front row follow-up. It was great. We might have a segment, right? We can start a front row follow-up segment if, if things, this gets too far out of hand. But it's it's fun, and I, I got to say, I have a, a respect uh, after you know seven and a half months or whatever it's been now of the way Ryan Poles handles himself. I think he's, yeah. he's he's open to direct questions. He doesn't dodge them. He's got a, a very unique demeanor about him, and and it's it's very conversational and casual and and very chill, right? And and so it was uh, it was good to have another twenty to twenty five minutes with him today to to kind of get his perspective on this team, which obviously as we get into next week we can talk about even in in more depth because there's there's a lot that ryan had to address and there's a lot this team needs to address to get anywhere close to to being competitive again before we get to that point it's time for our opening drive it's time for the opening the, the opening drive okay dan so you had the opportunity to talk one-on-one with justin fields and i think everything about this training camp as much as we want to put significance in Tevin Jenkins' development, as much as we want to talk about the Roquan Smith controversy and contract negotiations, let's face it, 2022 primarily is about one thing at Hallis Hall, and that is the development and progress of the franchise quarterback. Justin Fields, it's all about him, and you had a chance to sit down with him. So, David, naturally, just for some context on this interview, there was an opportunity here. Obviously, when you're going into it to to week one of this season, you want to write something about the starting quarterback. And so I'm going to be doing a deeper dive on what's ahead for Justin Fields in year two under a new regime and a new offensive system with new teammates all around him and, and trying to put into context as we get to the starting gate what's ahead for Justin Fields. That gave me the opportunity this week to meet with Justin, to also talk with Luke Getze and, and, and discuss the connection the two of them have. And we'll get in, into more Getze in a little bit. But with Justin, this was uh, fortuitous timing in some ways because he's coming off the, that that performance in Cleveland, right, David? That was obviously a, 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 a nice moment for this offense. Well, we'll get to that in a minute with Justin, but uh, (laughs) just a a nice moment of momentum, a nice moment of feel good for this offense at a time they need it going into the regular season. And so it, it offered the benefit of a quarterback who is feeling a little bit of a confidence surge. That's step one. Number two, it offered the opportunity to dive into a handful of really positive plays from that game we played in with Cleveland. And so I started with Justin with the play that I started in my notebook three times. We talked about this earlier in the week and the one that Luke Getze later called his favorite play of the night, which was a third down conversion with Justin escaping pressure, uh, getting out the back door of the pocket, rolling to his left, using his vision to, to kind of puppeteer the defense and make a, a nice third down conversion throw to Dante Pettis. That's where we started with Justin. But I want to start with you uh, with a play that I started my notebook on Saturday and then Luke called his favorite play mm-hmm. on Monday. And it's the third down conversion where you spun out the back door, yeah. found uh, Dante along yeah, the sideline. So first things first, if that play goes as designed and you've got all day in the world, where are you going? On that I was play? going front side. So we had a through route by number three, we had a pivot route by number two, and then we had a kind of like a dig by the number one outside receiver. So. I was, if I had time in the pocket, you can see that color right there. I was going to go to that dig and then to the backside. Okay. He was my second read on that. Obviously, your radar goes off. What 
causes you to spin out left instead of rolling out right in that situation? Is it just instincts just and that's instinct, just the way yeah. it's coming from? Just instinct. And I, like most, most D linemen, when they don't think that you see them, especially coming from this side, they usually take a flatter angle. And then that allows me to just get out, get a depth, and I'm going to be faster than most D linemen, so I can just spin out and then gets me on the edge pretty fast. So, so you create the space there, obviously. And now, yeah. now Luke said the thing that, that elevated it for him was your eyes did the right things when you were on the move there, and you went outside, mm-hmm. inside, outside. Can you just take me through the process? Obviously, it's happening really fast of just yeah. trying to make sure that you know where that opening is. Yeah, I mean, just any time on a keeper fake, uh, that's what we train our eyes to do is go outside first, inside, back outside, and then same with scramble drills. So outside and outside. But in that situation, I kind of knew that. I knew that he was right there the whole time, and there was two DBs over there. So, what I wanted to do was just move the defenders over a little yeah. bit with my eyes, look this way, and boom, bang it that way. So. I mean, that, that's really the key, right? That those are your, your eyes are your joystick in that yeah. situation, right? To move yeah, that guy. For sure. So, you're making these strides here, and that's obviously a, a small part of a fun half in Cleveland in August, right? Mm-hmm. But, but what do you sense as the leader of this group, the value? of that first half was and just getting that rhythm, that momentum, that production the way you did. Yeah, I think if, you know, I think it just shows everyone if we do our jobs, you know, how explosive our offense can be. Um, you know, I think it gave us a lot of confidence going into the season. And, um, yeah, I think those are the two main things you can take from that half. If we execute like we know we can. Um, you know, it's just going to put us in the best position and that we can put up a lot of points on the board. As the guy who's the leader of that, what have you learned about when you get a momentum surge like that, how to make it mean something, you know, when you get back into the next week of practice, when you get into the next day of preparation? Yeah, I would just, the biggest thing is, is not to get complacent. Um, you know, I mean, one, it's a preseason game. Yeah. And then two, it's just, I mean, football's football, you know, scoring touchdowns is hard in this league. So, you know, whenever we get a chance to, whenever we do, we celebrate it. And then just not getting complacent and just, you know, uh, wanting to do that, you know, when it matters, which is, Know, during the regular season and you know during each and every game. So, post game you were given multiple choice, and it was like, was this you know just a, a game on a Saturday, and then or B was it, is it a turning point? And somebody threw you the turning point alley oop, and you dunked the turning point alley yeah. I just want you to, um, I guess, expand on that because people may take that the wrong way and think that you're projecting something or proclaiming something that you're not. What, what, what is your sense when you say turning point, or just when you? I think it's just another step, not necessarily yeah. a turning point, but just another step into the right direction. Um, you know, like I said, I think, you know, that half gave us a lot of confidence. Um, and just the team, uh, yeah, the team confidence and just, like I said before, just when everybody does their job, uh, when we execute, when we play hard, when we play on their side of the ball, uh, what we can do as an offense. Well timed to have that, right, in the final preseason yeah, game where, sure. you, where you've got a runway now to, yeah, to use that. for sure. You've talked really since the spring about the connection you've had with Luke. And I think in one interview, you called him the best quarterbacks coach you've ever been around. I'm curious the specifics yeah. of the things that have really resonated about the way he the way he coaches you and just the way that he's found a way to connect with you in a way that makes you feel that way. Um, yeah, one, I mean, it's just based off his personality. You know, he's real. Um, he's a good person. Um, you know, he's going to tell you straight up how, he, how it is. He's not going to sugarcoat anything. Um, you know, he has a standard for us. And, um, you know, we're going to have to meet that standard. So, and just, two, it's just, you know, of course he's an OC, but just his quarterback background with, you know, the feet, you know, of course he's been around Aaron for a long time. So feet, timing, and everything, like he knows what it's supposed to look like. So, um, and then it also helps because he played quarterback in college. So, you know, most, some quarterback coaches, it's like you can't give him a ball and they can't really give They can give you a drop or whatever, but they really can't throw or something like that. But, um, you know, he played quarterback, so, um, you know, that always helps, of course. And then, yeah, just his background, you know, him coming from the Packers, him being with Aaron for a good amount of time, I think, you know, that, you know, of course, they learn from each other in that aspect and stuff like that. So um, I think that, you know, just that alone and just, you know, how he describes stuff, how he describes different details, I think. That's what you know, just makes him the best quarterback coach. The footwork piece of that, obviously, that's, there's a lot of detail in that that most people don't think about. How far have you come, really, since, I guess, the spring and, and understanding what he's asking of you in that regard? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I've come really far, you know. Um, I remember, you know, this earlier this offseason, I was just trying to get the footwork down right for a, a slant. So um, it's just, you know, just coming really far. And then the hardest part is when we just have, you know, uh, quick game concepts to the front side and then, you know, 
you might have a intermediate concept to the backside. So it's just we call it combo footwork, where quick game one side and then boom, backside is different footwork. So I think that's the hardest part of it, especially when you're under center. It definitely makes it harder. But um, yeah, I mean we just work on it, you know, do drills for it and stuff like that. So. One of his biggest priorities coming in here was to create comfort. And obviously it starts with creating comfort for the guy who's going to be at the steering wheel for you. Mm -hmm. How did you feel that come together, I guess, in those early months and even even into training camp where he's found ways to figure out how you want to be comfortable, which then obviously creates confidence? I mean, just, you know, coaching us up as an offense, um, you know, making sure we're paying attention to all the details and, you know, being very detailed in that and then you know when the game comes around you know we usually go over the script um, or go over the call sheet and we get we mark down the plays that we're, we're most comfortable with so he usually takes that and um, you know puts it down in order to you know where I have it you know what I'm most comfortable with so um, yeah that's that's what he does and then, I mean it's easy from that point on it's just like because usually practice is harder than the games because, I mean, like yesterday, like we, the offense didn't have a great practice because, I mean, we installed a bunch of plays, this and that, and it was our first time ever running those plays. So really just the more comfortable we get with those plays, concepts, and stuff like that, just running those plays in games and stuff like that. So I guess to that end, what is your responsibility in providing feedback, right? Like when you have a day like yesterday, and now all of yeah. a sudden it's like, okay, I'm not sure this this quite works for us. I mean, you, you can't really judge it off of one day, but, you know, if you have the whole week to run those plays a few times and, you know, if you're seeing them play well, or if you're comfortable with that play, then you can kind of get a feel on it. But, I mean, the biggest part in that is just being honest with them. You know, I think last year what, what I could have, you know, done better was just be more honest and, like, saying, yo, I'm not comfortable with this play, this and that, rather than feeling like I have to say, yeah, I can execute this play, when really I know that I'm not, you know, fully comfortable with that play or I'm not seeing the play well. So I think the biggest thing with that is just, you know, being honest with them. Because I mean, if you know, I can't run the play if I'm not seeing it well. Then it's not helping anyone. Is that is that a rookie thing you think in your mind? That, that's, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Like you know, when you know Nick and Andy say, yeah, they're comfortable running this play. <laughs> I mean, they've had a bunch of years. You know, they've ran multiple multiple variations of that play. So of course you're gonna be comfortable with that play. But I think you're definitely pressured to be like, yeah, I mean, I'm comfortable with it too, just because you don't want to seem behind. But um, I just think, I mean, you you just have to be honest in that aspect, especially. If you're going in as the uh, you know the quarterback that's playing the game, Luke said that you want to be coached hard, mm-hmm. and that that's allowed you guys to unlock some things because he can he can get on you and he doesn't have to be gentle. Can you describe just kind of your mindset in what in what you want from your coaches in, in that regard? Yeah, I mean, I don't want I want I want to be pushed hard. Um, I don't like when coaches try not try to like be easy on me this and that because I just not I just know that's gonna that's not gonna make me a better quarterback like that's not gonna make me the best quarterback I had and I mean I've always been like that like in college I remember having a conversation with my quarterback coach my last year in college like I felt like he was being too easy on me just because you know coming off my sophomore year Heisman finalist this and that we had a pretty good year and then my last year there I just felt like he was being kind of easy on me like the mistakes I was making like I want you to like, get on my ass about it like <laughs> let me know and then boom that won't happen again so um just coach me hard and then you know I mean I'm not going to take anything personal in that aspect because you know we're reaching towards the same goal we want to win games we want to win championships so um just coach me hard um you know make me the best quarterback I, I can be and then you know um I think, you know, just being coached hard, you know, I mean, I don't know, that's just yeah. kind of how I was growing up, you know, in the South, like, coaches get on you, this and that, don't whine, just don't take it personal, because, I mean, we, we both want to win at that point. Chew my ass out if I deserve it, right? And, yeah, and exactly. tell, tell me I did exactly. something I'm going to take it like a man, move on, learn from it, and then so he said that, and you can agree or disagree with this, but he said the two things that he has identified in you that, that he sees make you tick. Number one would be competitive drive. And I'm curious if, if you could describe what it is in you that, that brings that out in you, that lights that competitive fire in you. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just my wantingness to win. Like, I don't like losing. Um, you know, I think, I mean, I've said it countless amount of times. Like, last year, I didn't. I didn't like like that feeling of losing so many games. I mean, that's the most I've ever lost in my life. So um, just that, like, I don't like losing. I'm not used to losing. Um, I never want to get used to losing. Um, so that's one. And then really, that's it. Like, I just don't like losing. I don't care. You know, 
I don't care if I'm the MVP. I don't care if I, you know, did this, went 14 for 16. Like, if we win, I'm good. If we run the play, if we run the ball, what, 40 times a game and we win the game, I'm, I'm good. I'm fine. So just that, like, I don't like losing. Um, and, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much, like, the number one thing. And, and then he said that, that you're you're driven to be part of this with the group, and that, that's a quality that he identified early, that, that this isn't just about Justin. This is about Justin wanting to work with this unit and make it the best. I, do you agree with it, that that's something that, that sort of is in your head and in your in your mindset as you do things every day? Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm not going to be able to do it by myself. So, um, you know, we always say on offense it takes all 11. You know, even in the run game, I'm a part of the run game, carrying out my faith. And we saw that one game in Cleveland where yeah. safety went with me and Demo cut backside. So um, I'm not going to do it by myself. Um, nobody can do it by themselves. So it's really just um, – it's, it's going to take all of us. So, and I think you know we're always stronger together. So it's just you know being together, wanting to do it together. It's not about me. It's not about Demo. It's not about Mooney. It's about all of us. So there's a difference in the NFL of the quarterback lifestyle. I think the previous coaching staff used that phrase a couple times. And the ability to prepare for the next day sounds like something that you have embraced and. and learned how to do at a at an advanced level going home and and knowing what's coming and and getting the script and and, yeah. and putting in that time investment at a time where mm -hmm. you know you might not want to <laughs> i mean yeah you, i mean you have to or you're not gonna you know have confidence with the plays and of course if you don't have confidence with the plays then you're not gonna execute them to a high level so um you just gotta prepare yourself uh you know as much as you you know i go home tired but i have to get ready for the next day or i'm not i'm not gonna I'm going to go home tired and mad that I didn't execute <laughs> at a level, you know, that I yeah. wanted to execute at. So it's just, you know, just putting that time in and it's just, you know, you got to put in and then what you put in is, is, is what you'll get out. So. One of the things you've talked about a couple times this month, and I think you brought it up Saturday after the game, was the, the, the growing in your understanding of when to take a chance and when to take a completion. Yeah. And the process of making that decision sometimes even before the play begins. Yeah. I, I'm just curious what you've learned in that regard and, and – and, how it helps, obviously, going into year two. Yeah, I've learned a lot. Um, it's really just setting your team up for, you know, the next down and distance. So just, I mean, of course, it varies on, you know, different situations or different down and distance. But if it's, you know, like in the game we had, what, first and 20 or something like that, like yeah. we just want to get back on track. You know, we don't need a first down right now. We just want to get it second and manageable or even second and we just want to get a third of that back to where it's second and 12 and then we can get six yards and make it third and six like that's a manageable third and six third and five that's a manageable third down so it's just you know thinking like that and uh you know, you know we never want to put the ball in danger um always want to take care of the ball that's the number one thing they harp on here um yeah just thinking in that terms where it's like first and ten you want to get a positive play and make it second and eight is better than second and ten and or stuff like that, and then yeah, I mean, you know, you throw a check down for two yards. You never know, Demo might break a tackle and get, you know, six more yards. So that'll make it second to two. So it's just thinking like that, rather than taking a shot that's 50-50 down the field on first and ten, where you can get. I mean, some some cases, yeah, that's fine, but I'd rather just take a completion, boom, and then just move on. You got to take your gr greedy knob right and turn it down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. I think last year I was just always trying to hit the home runs and not really worried about the checkdowns. So just making him cover the whole field. That first and 20 play was a comebacker to, to Pettis, and mm -hmm. that's a ball you let go before he's even fully turned around. But, that, yeah. I mean, that's obviously something you trust him, you trust the play, you trust that we're going to get some of this back here, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we work on that play um, all the time. So it's just, you know, come from practice, that timing, footwork, boom, on rhythm, first hitch, ball out. Yeah. Trevor has talked about this as being a, a quarterback-friendly office. A lot of guys who have played in variations of the system love some of the things this does. What do you love most about just the, the, the variation of this offense that that feels good to a quarterback? Uh, you know, just the amount of stuff we can do out of it. Uh, you know, Luke, he's great. He's smart. And uh, just that everything kind of looks the same. You know, everything kind of marries with each other, this and that. You know, if we have one play, we have something off of it. So just, you know, having... You know, just a play come off of another play, and then you know, just having an answer for like whatever they 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 might throw away. Being on the move, I imagine the the, the volume of that mm -hmm. feels good to you as you go into into the yeah, season. Nah, for sure, you know, anytime I can get out the pocket, um, it's it's always uh, you know, a good a good play.
and then pocket presence. Where do you think you still need to go in that regard? I think I still have a lot of room to grow in pocket presence. Um, it's different on this level. Yeah. So just been working on that and just been, you know, every day just been working on that. So I definitely have a lot of room to grow. The last thing, yeah, obviously we asked you in June, I think it was toward the end of minicamp, if you were ready for the season. You were very honest and said, we're not ready for the season yet. There's a lot more work that needs to go. Well, now there's no choice, right? The season starts next mm-hmm. week. What gives you your most eagerness, your most excitement of now getting in this lane and, and going into regular season work and, and trying to see what gains you guys have made in that period? You said what gives me what? The most eagerness or excitement to get going and, and start uh, this journey. Just to see, see what happens. Um, you know, a lot of people are doubting us. You know, so I like it like that. Um, you know, so yeah, just seeing what happens. And, you know, just focusing on us at the end of the day. Yeah. Just making sure we do our jobs as a as a individual and as a unit. You think this offense has got a chance to surprise people with the way it's grown to this point? I know we do. Yeah, I know we do. So. You know, glad the teams are sleep on us. Hopefully they stay sleep, you know, and uh, we surprise a lot of people this year. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, that was good stuff. 17-minute interview, Justin Fields, the quarterback. A couple quick reactions before I get to see you were in the room, obviously asking the questions, having the conversation. My impressions are a couple of things. Number one, I still think that as he matures and develops, he's got to realize, and this is this is unrelated to football, he's got to realize that he could own this town. Yep. He's the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. Yep. He's as talented as anybody who has ever played the position. And I don't say that cavalierly, and I'm not exaggerating. Talent-wise, skill set, athleticism. Potential. He's as talented yep. as anybody that has played the position. And if he goes in the direction where he possibly still can, he's going to own Chicago. I know he's young. Yep. I know that's a lot to throw at his feet. But I wish that I would see more signs of him obviously embracing that and enjoying that. Is Do you ever – you're closer to it. Do you ever have the same re- reaction to, to that sentiment? It's 100% fair, David, to ask the question without question, because I think that Justin has his natural demeanor is sort of very low key. And and it comes across at times as just being um, more disengaged than you'd want it to be from your starting quarterback. And I don't think it's by uh, design or or intentional in that regard. I think it's just who he is. And I think you're right in saying, listen, as the as the 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 face of the Chicago Bears organization, as the star in the making that this franchise wants to build around for many years to come, there is a level of ownership that comes with that. Right. And that requires a level of 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 energy and charisma that you you're going to have to embrace at some point. And so I do think that's fair to to point that out, because I think sometimes it can come across as as a little bit. unaffected maybe is, is, is the wrong word. Maybe it's the right word. I'm not sure, but, but, but that there is something that you need to, to be able to convey an enthusiasm that, that, brings energy to you, right? That gravitates it. Now he's got that within the locker room. He's got that within his teammates. Yeah. It just needs to publicly, I think you're, you're right in distinguishing the two between what, what he does inside those walls at Hales Hall and what he does as a spokesperson for the organization. And those two things are, are, are intertwined in some ways. People don't care about body language. I think we learned that through the Jay Culver <laughs> era. And they don't like to hear people like us right. Nitpick, it, right? Yeah. It and break it down. But I think that when you say unaffected, I fear that it becomes aloof. You don't want to become aloof because, you know what, if you succeed, you can get away with it. If you struggle, you can't. 
Correct. That's the quickest way to alienate a fan base that wants to love you. And I think he understands that. He's mature, and he has realized stardom at a very young age by being the quarterback at Ohio State, which when you're the quarterback in Columbus, you are a celebrity, and you have you have a following that is very similar to being the quarterback in Chicago. Not the same, but similar. So I think that those types of things are, are again, being hypercritical, giving a you know somebody advice at a young stage of his career. I would just say try to enjoy being, or more obviously enjoy being the quarterback of the Chicago Bears because if this goes well, you're going to love the adulation, and I would think that people would love it if they notice you loving, liking the, the response. Well, that, that's it, right? And and I, I had texted you previously that Justin in Cleveland postgame was as upbeat and and energized as I've ever seen him, right, in, in, in an interview setting. And it was refreshing. It was it was nice to have that that back and forth that at, at, at times was informative, at times was playful, at, at all times was engaged. And it, and it just felt like, okay, this is a guy owning the stage. You sort of said that you think that was an adrenaline rush that he was having after throwing three touchdowns and a half, which is natural. You just hope he can tap into that more. I'll, I'll give you a little aside from my career in this league of a guy, this comes natural to some guys, it doesn't to others, but a guy that I was around in Minnesota, Jared Allen, who understood the back and forth and the give and take and the game that's played. And Jared could go five weeks without a sack and come into an interview and be in, in the right kind of spirits to disarm the room, tell a joke, get connected in a way that alleviated the pressure on him to get a sack the next game. Right. Because it, it, it sort of just mollifies that, that tension in the air that's laying there. And I, I, I use this as an example for players that I talk to about how that, can, that it's simple, right? It's a very simple, small personality tweak that buys you forgiveness. When, when maybe forgiveness isn't earned at that point. So it may be something in this role, in this city, in this dynamic that Justin would be well-advised learning from. Beyond that, I loved the interview. I thought it was great that you broke down the completions and he explained them and he was really, you know, that was really good, you know, deep in the weeds football stuff. And I love that stuff in, in these interviews. That, that's, the, that's the beauty of having that kind of time with him. This is what I liked the most, though. Justin Fields on the verge of being taking that next step. And we have seen the progress that even that Ryan Poles acknowledged today. And there's, there's a, the arrows pointing up at Hallis Hall. This, this new regime feels good. I think about the direction Justin Fields is headed with the offense. I'd like the fact that he wants to be coached hard. Yes. This isn't somebody that wants to be recognized for what he has accomplished before he's accomplished it. This isn't somebody that came across as being like, okay, I've arrived, but I'm not here yet. You know what I mean? You have seen, we both have seen covering the league, covering sports, people who have expected to be treated a certain way before they actually deserve it or before they have earned it. Justin Fields wants to earn it. And I think that's the best news. And to me, the biggest takeaway from that time that you spent with him. I mean, how about him in his own words, basically saying that in his final year at Ohio State, he didn't get pushed as hard as he wanted to be. And, and he said, I'm a Heisman finalist. I'm the quarterback of a national championship team. So what? He applied that to himself, right? right? And basically right. said, coach me harder because I want to be even better and I want to be great. And I want to be great at this level. I want to be great at the next level. I want to be great at every level I ever play at. And I think that's an admirable quality he has that's infectious. It galvanizes a group. And and as, as you've heard all off season from coaches and teammates alike, Justin has a way of going about his business that creates uh, a collective work ethic amongst the guys that he's working with. That is not to be lost in the shuffle here. Is that a guarantee of success? Absolutely not. It's a prerequisite for it. But at the very uh, basic level, it's a, a box that he has checked in Sharpie, and it's a box that's going to help him continue his ascent. Now there's a lot more to go in this in this second season and beyond for him to develop into a consistent playmaking quarterback in this league at this stage i think he's paired up with a, a coaching staff and particularly a coordinator that are, are willing to understand the steepness of this climb and the demands of in luke getsy's word the process that is really going to be beneficial to justin as he as he asks to be coach hard and is subsequently coached hard those are our initial impressions of the justin fields interview what are yours let us know go to twitter we're at take the north pod Share your observations, share your opinions. Let us know what you think of the interview with Justin Fields. Dan, anything else before we move on to your next interview? 
Nothing other than to say that I think that Justin is eager to get the regular season started, right? And and to to, uh, be able to see things that only he has seen, right? Or only the the offense has seen that the outside world isn't privy to in terms of potential breakthroughs from players in that huddle, from potential advancements in this offense that he's willing to put on display. All we can do is get our popcorn ready, get our seat pulled up to the the front of the the stage and, and get ready to watch. And the other interview you had this week with Luke Getze, the offensive coordinator, I think is a good time to play that as well. It's a good time to have that because, let's face it, one success is related directly to the others. Luke Getze calls a good game, installs an offense that is basic and simple and easy to grasp and tailored around the skill set of Justin Fields, and Justin Fields succeeds. If Justin Fields executes that game plan, Luke Getze looks good. So they are tied together, joined at the hip, if you will. How would you describe your conversation, your interview with Luke Getze? Yeah, well, the deeper story that I'm working on for the Chicago Tribune is heavily hinging on the connection that Justin Fields and Luke Getze are establishing and how they can take it going forward and how they can take the trust they've built now and hopefully retain it right when 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 the boat gets a little rocky because you know as well as i do that when the boat starts to rock those relationships can go bad in a hurry mitch trubisky can lose trust in matt Nagy as fast as matt Nagy can lose trust in mitch trubisky and things can go sideways in a hurry and so these two have to create a foundation that allows that boat to be a little more steady when the waves get a little choppy. I think they're on the right track in that regard. And I think they have the same vision for all of the things that need to go into uh, creating an offense that's not only productive, but that's comfortable, right? In, in a way that makes everybody go out and play, right? And not be thinking and not be worrying and not be fretting and not being, uh, you know, undeniably uptight. And I think one thing we saw in Cleveland was an offense. Listen, it's the preseason. We've contextualized that all we want, but we saw in Cleveland an offense that was clicking and it was comfortable in the way it was clicking. And you hope that carries over into the regular season. It's Luke Getze's job to create those dynamics so that those guys feel that way. And I thought it was interesting to dig in on him on, on kind of his philosophies, his mindset, and of course his union with Justin. And this is what he had to say. The words that guys were using in the locker room Saturday was progress. And it felt like there was a tangible understanding that, you know, there's been some ups and downs and some struggle through the month, but that was a piece of evidence that shows that it's, it's leading to something. you agree with that? Or? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess so. <laughs> I, I, I truly, I truly don't want to overreact to any, yeah. to any of it because I just, I just truly believe that we're in the middle of this process and we're not, uh, we're not trying to see too far down the road and we're not trying to live in the past. Uh, we're trying to be in the moment and we're trying to literally get better every single day. If we can, if we can hone in on that, like the guys have to this point, I think that's, if you want to say progress, that's the word. I think that's why they feel that way. I feel like they they can they can see where this was a certain way. They reacted a certain way, and we've we've made corrections and we've made improvements. And the guys are starting to see it and feel it, so it felt better probably to them because yeah. they were able to make apply those things that we've been talking about. The feel better means something, right? I mean, sure. like no positive yeah. positive mindsets. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about the, the the family atmosphere that we're trying to create, the love for one another that. That's the most important thing that we have, and uh, now it's you know when you when you get faced with the adversity, hopefully that's your backbone so that you can get right back on track and head towards that progress. The best quarterbacks have a level of command, and a lot of coaches define it differently. For you, what what is your definition for a quarterback of what command is? Yeah, I mean, I think when you when you use that word like you're just looking for a guy who is in complete control of himself first and then you know being able to manipulate what's going on around him and uh when there's an awareness of what's going on around you after you've mastered your craft um, that's when you can play ball at a higher level and so um you know that's again we're working on it every day and we're, we're trying to get him adjust to that point where he feels like he's he's in complete control. He's been very complimentary of the connection that you guys have had since the spring, and, and he called you the best quarterbacks coach he's ever been around. What do you think has allowed you guys to connect and click in a, in a way that's been productive for both sides? Um, 
you know, I think it, you know when you when you start a relationship, right? Uh, you try to be open and honest at, at the beginning, and then and then from there you have to earn trust, right? And so, I think the, what we've both been able to gain from each other is that uh, the commitment to each other, the work we're putting in for each other, and the consistent approach that we've each taken every day. And I think I think that's how a real relationship starts, right? Yeah. And I think that we're just trying to build on that and. Um, you know, because like I said, there's going to be a time when it's going to it's going to feel like the walls are caving in. That's this league. That's what it is. It doesn't matter. Yeah, right. I mean, if you're if you're the best of the best or you're the worst of the worst, there's going to be those days. And and hopefully we're building the foundation the right way so that we can survive those and freaking become out even better because of it. That's what I was going to ask you is how, how do you retain that when struggle does come into the, the equation? It's going to happen at some yeah. point this year. Like you sure. said, there's going to be an avalanche of outside criticism. There's yeah, going to be a bad no day. And, yeah. and then it's, no you got to make sure that he still believes in you and you still believe in him, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, again, I, I take it back to April 4th or whatever it was. Like, that's, you lay it out, and then when someone's, when, you, when you're consistent, approach every day I think you prove to people who you really are and that's what you know Justin's done that for me I mean he's proven to me the kind of man that he is and the, the kind of teammate that he is and that's uh, you know the guy that wants to be the leader of the football team that wants to put you know take the pressure off his teammates that wants to prove that he'll do anything it takes and uh, and he's proven that not just to me, but to everybody in that in that room. You've said he likes to be coached hard, and that allows you to kind of be demanding in mm-hmm. a way. What does that unlock for you as a coach when you have a guy that you don't have to, I don't know if coddle's the right word, but be gentler with and you can coach him hard? Um, I think every player's different. I think that's the cool part of coaching, right? Um, Aaron Rodgers liked to be coached hard, too. He truly did and does. Um, but your approach to Aaron Rodgers is going to be different than the way you're going to approach Matt Flynn or you're going to approach um, Jordan Love or the way you're going to approach Justin Fields. Just because they're both young quarterbacks, you don't treat them the same. I think the important part is that you establish that relationship and you, you get to know each other and what makes each other tick. Um, and then when you establish that and then you, 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 you begin this relationship, then that's when you can that person knows that their best interest yeah. is what you have and not some self, uh, you know, it's all about me and this offense has got to be great because of me or it's got to be great because of you. Like, uh, I think you have two humble humble guys that that's not what it's about. It's about we want to win for this team and we want to do whatever it takes to win. So, I mean, for you, it's personality-based and, and I think, yeah, individualized? I think it's personality. I think it's your relationship. I think it's all that stuff that, that goes into, you know, how do, you, how do two people connect, right? I mean, that's... I don't think that that's a football necessarily, but there's got to be creativity to the way that you approach the day as a coach too. You know what I mean? Some guys yeah. need need more of this, and some guys need more of this. And not every guy can be the same if you're trying to get the most out of that guy. And um, you know, like with Aaron, like I've heard him now like six or seven times, just come out and talk about how the reflection of his past has helped him move. You know, get back to where and like. I knew that. I was fortunate enough to be around him long enough, so I was able to go dive in and get those for him to then present to him to let him reflect, you know. And and so, and Justin's obviously just getting started, so how do we find those different areas? And that's where we're all, we're building and growing together. Two last things. What have you, what have you sensed makes him tick? And, and, and what, what is that knob that, that gets him going? Well, I think, like, he, he truly... Yeah, the competitiveness of him is like the self is the self starter that he is. It, 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 he's as competitive as I've ever been ever been around. The guy wants to win, but the, I think the number one thing is like what's important to him as his teammates. Like the the you know the success of them is 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 equally as important as him trying to be the leader of the team. I mean, he truly is a is a great teammate. So I think those the competitiveness and the kind of teammate he is are what make him pretty special. And then, obviously, at that position, one of the, the, the ways to get it unlocked, you, you create comfort that creates confidence that leads to production. I, I imagine that's a daily process of just trying to figure out what, what's, where's the comfort zone, right? And obviously, you want to push that and extend it a little bit, but how critical is that as just the first step, right, of, of making sure a guy feels right before he starts yeah. anything else? No, it's, uh, listen, this thing is, like I said, this is, we, we put a lot of time into designing the process not necessarily designing the offense um, and, and what I mean by that is like we we wanted to challenge these guys 
and see where they could each go and then see how they responded to the different challenges along the way. And so, you know, the way that we installed the place, the way that we implemented them into the installations, and then the way we came back and trained the camp, that's all part of that process. And it was our job to be aware of their response to all, to that those challenges. And um, you know, I think as you see them now, they're all having the opportunity to, you know, like you use the word progress. They feel like they're, they they've, they've they've started to figure some things out. But now, it, you know, there's the next step of the process is is the real deal now. So now you're going to get more difficult looks. You're going to get better talented players. So all that stuff, the the the, the pressure of the game counting, all that stuff's going to be added to them so they need to be able to reflect and, rely and, and lean on the process and I think that's what will give us an opportunity to have some success. So on a day like today are you more bringing guys back down or, or are you feeding off of the No, yeah, we're free we're, we, there's no bringing down it is, we're, this thing is an evolution and so we got to keep evolving if we don't then you get, you, get, you get stuck in the sleep I just mean in terms of the mental confidence calibration because I know no, you just said it's preseason yeah, you're on YouTube, we're okay, going, stacking we're going, it we're going, yeah, okay. we're, we're off and it's like I said it there was a pure, a clean vision of how we wanted to build it, and we're still, we're still taking it step by step. So. Certainly, well timed to have that in, in your last sure. preseason game, right? Just to no, I mean, anytime you can have or have and feel success, that's always a positive, yeah. right? And again, the the statistics say success, but we were more, you know, driven by the process. Like, like I was impressed by game preseason one how we didn't have the malfunction, we didn't have the false starts, we had clean play calls in the huddle, we. Had had clean motions. We had we were developing a play style. Game two, we took it another step. Game three, we took it another step. I think that part of it was most important when you're talking about going where you want to go. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, Dan, the thing about Luke Getze is it sounds redundant, but when he talked to you, his answers, the way that he described things, I, I just like a coach that isn't trying to, number one, impress the audience with high-level offensive concepts and and trying to uh, remind people that he is more sophisticated in his football knowledge than you are, the fan or the media member. I just like the simple approach to football execution. Now, secondly, and I know this may be a, a strictly Chicago thing, but I almost am impressed by Luke Getze as much as we have heard from him, what he hasn't said as much as what he has said in that what I mean, he doesn't refer to coaching Aaron Rodgers every third sentence. He doesn't really go into Green Bay that much unless pushed or asked directly about that experience. And I don't know if that's intentional or not. I wonder if, if you had noticed that as well, because I think that, well, number one, his credibility was enhanced by being part of the Packers staff that knows how to move the football, move the chains, and score touchdowns. But he doesn't spend a lot of time dwelling on his past he's worried about the task at hand getting the most out of his quarterback now and not giving that quarterback too much to handle so he can succeed 
Listen, your credibility is automatically enhanced when a four-time MVP tells people around the league that he loved working with you, right? Aaron Rodgers' word means something in that regard. When an all-pro receiver who started his ascent into becoming an all-pro receiver like Devontae Adams did with Luke Getze as his receivers coach tells the world that I loved working with Luke Getze. He brought things out of me that I didn't know were in my game. It adds to your credibility. To your point, Luke has an ability to immerse himself in the moment, right? To be present in today. And that's evident every time you talk to him. There's the, the, the world outside, fans, media alike, want to reflect on the past and project for the future. Luke wants to be immersed in that day's grind and figure out how that can help this offense and this quarterback progress and get better. And he does so with such a realistic lens on where things are. So when Justin Fields comes into a post-game press conference and says, uh, with the help of an alley pass from, from a reporter, that it was a turning point game, and Luke immediately says, ah, that sounds a little dramatic, you know, he's telling it like it is. He's doing the real talk thing that we talk all about and saying, look, like, no, this is just part of the journey, right? And we're in a very early stage of whatever journey we're on. And I'm not willing to proclaim any grand conclusions about anything right now because we don't have enough evidence to do so. And so I, I I've just really appreciated how grounded Luke is and how um, easily he's able to connect with, with both players in that rock locker room and with the media, because that's one thing you heard in January and February and March after he was hired here from people that have been around him is that he just has a, a innate ability to connect with people. I think it, hopefully it was apparent in that interview. It was apparent in that interview. And the last thing I have to say about that interview was that, you know, I think we're, we're this year in Chicago, we're kind of back to the way things used to be with Matt Nagy. And during that regime, let's face it, he was the head coach slash offensive coordinator. The offensive coordinator wasn't really the offensive coordinator, except for by title and maybe what they paid and whatever the case in terms of what it meant on his resume. This is more of a direct CEO of the offense. Luke Getze, this is his th th this is his baby because Matt Eberflus is a defensive-minded head coach. This is Luke Getze's scheme, and this is a, a return to maybe the more conventional approach to play calling, to game planning, to things that you know give us reason to scrutinize and why the job has historically been so difficult in Chicago because the offenses have stunk. <laughs> so. What I like, though, is the recognition of that by Getze without it, without him making too much of it. He kind of isn't phased by the significance or the added weight or gravity of his job. There's no puffed chest to him either, right? There's no right. Uh, I know more than you kind of aura or, or, or air to him. There's just, a, a again, just a, a natural ease that, like, this is my job. This is how I approach my job. This is how I ask my players to approach their duties that help me do my job better. And, and there's just, again, it's just, it's so very grounded. And in this league, grounded can mean a lot, right? I think that we saw, uh, you know, a lot of times in the past where, where when you come a little bit shaky and the bolts get a little loose and the, the wagon starts to rock a little bit, that it can get ugly really quickly. And I don't think that's going to happen under Luke. I think he has a awareness on how to adapt and adjust to what his, his players are able to handle and what they're not able to handle. And then hopefully put them in favorable situations that allow them to succeed better. And now that's going to be put to the test on a, on a regular season stage for 17 weeks with a quarterback, as you referred to earlier in the show, that has as much talent and potential as any that's come through the city. Let's see what the end results are. And I think that Luke Getzey has an opportunity to be somebody who ends up being the most significant addition to this franchise last offseason because of his importance, because of his role, because of what he means to the development of the quarterback. It's still early for me, but I'm going to echo Ryan Poles' sentiments on Matt Eberflus with my sentiments on Luke Getze. I love that dude. I love that dude. I love that dude. <laughs> Time for the two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. Okay, Dan, there was a lot of movement with the roster. I don't need to get into the weeds too much. They claimed six players, and then – after doing so, they also got a receiver from the Minnesota Vikings. What can you tell us about him? Listen, David, we're, we are at uh, less than 10 days from the season opener, and more than 10% of their roster has overturned this week, right? Like The 53-man roster has seven guys who didn't go through a single practice uh, before this week started. That's crazy, That's right? That there are crazy. there are some out there that think that, hey, uh, this is going to be a, a, a victory, right? Like this was a huge week scouring the waiver claim where I would just caution everyone to say that if you need to claim six bodies off the waiver wire on the final 
days of August, your roster is certainly not at a ready-made place to be a consistent competitor. That said, Ryan Poles was was very forward in his press conference and saying he was going to be relentless in pursuing additional talent for this roster and trying to get Justin more help. He said he was going to be aggressive when he needs to get aggressive. He was going to be conservative when he needs to be conservative. There's another piece here that they can play around with now and try to figure out a fit within this offense. And we'll see where they take this thing. Look, the injuries have bitten the Bears receiving core throughout the month. They need to find answers for Justin Fields. Now you've got a chance to take a look at another guy and and, and Justin's got to figure out what, what does this feel like to me? How do I develop timing with a guy I haven't thrown a practice pass to uh, in the entirety of, of my time as a Chicago Bear? It's another wrinkle in this whole storyline. It's something that is is by necessity as the Bears try to find more weapons for that offense. Alex Leatherwood was discarded by the Raiders, a 17th overall pick, six picks after Justin Fields in the 2021 NFL draft. And I wonder what they have in him. He lined up initially at right tackle. That would mean he might be in competition with Larry Borum. Maybe he can play guard. He has uh, some options. Uh, I don't think Ryan Poles limited those options when he spoke about the young man. He's raw, but he also won the Outland Trophy at Alabama. His pedigree is strong, Dan. I wonder what they have in Alex Leatherwood. Look, this is the kind of dice roll you take when you're in this position that the Bears are in. You can you can make this gamble, right? You're picking up like $6 million in guaranteed salary, and that's the only thing that is is at risk for you, is, is money that you have to spend, right? And you're taking that chance on a guy, as you mentioned, who was a top 20 pick, an Outland Trophy winner, obviously has skills within him. I thought it was notable for Ryan polls to go out of his way on Thursday to say the belief in the coaching staff and the belief in in this group's ability to develop players is something that allows you to make a move like this with confidence. It was notable when Alex Leatherwood met with the media on Thursday afternoon in the locker room, just how much his head was spinning. You go, you think about where he was, right? Like 48 hours earlier. And then sometime on Wednesday afternoon, you find out that you've been picked up by the bears and you've got to book a flight. And then you've got to get into Chicago around midnight. And then the next morning you got to take a physical and then you got to go meet your coaches, your new teammates. He was asked by, by one reporter, who have you latched onto uh, that's going to help you with this? He's like, bro, I just got here, right? Like, I, I, don't, know, I don't know anyone, right? Yeah, like, th- there's no one to latch onto yet because I, I'm still trying to figure out where I am and how to get my feet on the ground. And so that's part of this equation, right? There's going to be a timeline for Alex Leatherwood to get up to speed with what the Bears want. It's hard to say when he'll be potentially available to them to actually get on the field in meaningful game action. But at the very least, you've got a guy that Chris Morgan, the offensive line coach and that staff, can get their hands on and try to figure out what's in there. And, and oh, by the way, Austin King, the assistant uh, offensive line coach yeah. was with the Raiders. So there's right. in, in the building intel that, that should make the transition a little easier for Leatherwood. It's still going to be difficult and should give the Bears a little bit of information on what they're working with. I kept waiting for him when asked about some of the struggles he encountered as a rookie with the Raiders to say, hey, man, what goes on in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> That's the catchphrase, right? And you know it as well as anyone. You yeah, were just right. there last exactly. month. And then, like, I'm, I still don't know what you did out there for a couple of days. And <laughs> it doesn't sound like you're going to tell me anytime no, soon. No, I don't think so. <laughs> last thing about, I have about today, about this week, is that, okay, enough with the bottom of the roster, the top of the roster. You asked a really good question about David Montgomery. And I think there's some curiosity about a guy that has been largely overlooked. He's entering the final year of his contract. Oh, yeah, by the way. Like Roquan Smith, by the way. And I think this offense, I don't know if the outside zone blocking scheme is ideal for his running style, but we'll find out. This offense may be good for his pass catching skills. David Montgomery is somebody that I don't know where the expectations are heading into the season, Dan. What do you think? Well, first of all, I want to uh, give you credit for crowning the NFL's catchphrase for the transition from August to September. Enough with the bottom of the roster. Let's talk about the top of the roster, right? We've officially made that transition yeah. into September where now we can fully focus our, our, our efforts on the top of the roster. It's interesting because David Montgomery is one of those pieces that is valuable to you as a runner. But he's as valuable to you in the locker room as a guy that is is one of these culture guys, right? With tone-setting guys that other people follow. Now, as a general manager, you have the obligation of figuring out 
what that's worth to you in your future championship building efforts and what the timeline is. And so Ryan was noncommittal in, in kind of giving us any thoughts on, on where he is with the position in general. I think it's interesting that during his time in Kansas City, the, the backfield of the Chiefs went through a number of different Jamal evolutions, Jay. right? It, it, Jamal Charles was a longtime star there who, who signed a, a, a big contract. And then you got into the stage that's that's more like the modern NFL where you get turnover every year or every two years where you, you pay a young guy. And, and obviously Kareem Hunt had his best years in his first couple of years and left town there for, for different circumstances, obviously, which made them pivot in other directions. But he's going to have a choice, Ryan Poles is, at the end of the season on what he wants to do with David Montgomery. A lot of it is going to depend on what David shows within this offense and what he shows his value is to, to the guys around him. It's fascinating, right? Because I, I don't think you go out and you pay huge money for a running back, particularly when you have a stable of guys like Khalil Herbert and Tristan Ebner behind him who can step up at a moment's notice. But I I also don't think you ever want to discard guys that mean a lot to your culture and mean a lot to the heartbeat of what your locker room is. And so it's going to be a, a challenging Rubik's cube, I think, for, for Ryan Poles in the months ahead. And what did you what did you think of, of kind of his response to that to that back and forth? Well, if I were David Montgomery, I would have wanted to hear a more rousing endorsement for my place in this culture, on this team, in this organization. And maybe Ryan Poles isn't in a position to do that yet with maybe anybody maybe he wants to except for justin fields and maybe the rookies that he drafted and he values so much but i don't know that david montgomery if he was waiting for validation i think he's still waiting and i don't want to over you know react to that but i, I think that we both agree that you make some good points he comes ryan Poles comes from an organization that where the running back wasn't the focal point of the offense yeah. and were, they were deemed somewhat interchangeable I do think that's probably the direction and maybe the feeling overall. If you had to ask me to check a box, will David Montgomery be you know, offered a long-term contract extension? Yes or no, here as we sit here at the beginning of September, I'd lean toward no, only because of the other needs, only because of where they are deficient on the roster. So I thought it was a very interesting question because it implied – that there's much more to it than just the answer. No question. And, and, and to your point, you're going to have to allocate resources to the wide receiver position yeah. at some point in your life. Like if you're going to make Justin Fields the best quarterback he can be in the NFL, you better get him a star at some point. Uh, I know you and I talked on, on the radio on 670 The Score earlier in the week about a guy that might be on the radar for the 2023 draft. JSN, get those initials down. Jackson Smith and Jigba, Ohio State yeah. receiver, former Watch teammate of Justin Fields, playing Notre Dame. This weekend. Uh, Saturday night against the Irish in the horseshoe. Well, that's a different podcast. That's a different <laughs> show. And we have talked and exhausted our resources on this one. We have covered a lot of ground. Great interviews, Dan, with Luke Getze and Justin Fields. Good job getting those guys. Good questions. And you covered all the solid ground. Terrific job. And if people want to react, they can react to us at Take the North Pod on Twitter because they were two very revealing interviews. Felt like this podcast was a bit of a turning point for us, don't you think? <laughs> I think so. No, I don't want to go that far. I'm not going to get over my Sounds seat. a little dramatic? Okay. I, I'm going I'm going full, full uh, 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 Brian Poles. I don't want to get too far. Maybe somewhere in between. Yeah, you don't want to get too much overreactive preseason, and it's never as bad as it seems either. Okay. All right. That's fair. That's, that's fair. Keep, let's keep the train on the track here, okay? <laughs> you know me. I like to get a little overexcited. I know. Oh, yeah. You are Mr. <laughs> over the skis. I know that. That's a long-time guy doing that. All right. So, everybody, thank you for joining us on this Take the North pod. We will be back next week, but enjoy the interviews. Let us know what you think. At Dan Wiederer, W-I-E-D-E-R-E-R, -E -E at David Haw or at Take the North Pod. Thank you for joining us. Things are going well. We're having a lot of fun with this podcast. You can get it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. For Dan Weeder, I'm David Haw. Thanks for listening.